Hello and welcome to the 551 podcast. My name is Wes Burdine and uh, I've got it's it's a special podcast today because um, in uh, in memoriam of uh, of the US men's national team uh, not making the World Cup, I've assembled um, kind of a, a great triumvirate of uh, basically it's like the Voltron of uh, people whose uh, teams have not made it uh, to the World Cup. Um, so on the phone in West Philadelphia is the very Dutch Alex Schieferdecker. Alex, uh, thank you for joining me. Welcome to the sadness. Yeah, thank you for uh, for having me on again. <laughs> Great. Feel feel it. And then uh, making his uh, first time uh, appearance on the podcast, uh, David Smith, the the very Scottish David Smith. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me on. I'm open to share the pain. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, you the the your your story uh, at least my version of your story david is that people will know you minnesota fans will know you as the scottish lake monster the guy who dressed up in the nessie costume which was more of just a dinosaur costume that we found on etsy um uh up until this year you know for the last three years right four years three 2012 i started wearing the really yeah huh Wow. Okay. So yeah, basically for four years, for whatever, you were uh, behind the goal, heckling goalkeepers in a Scottish uh, Lake Monster costume. And that's how many people know you. You retired that costume though. Well, uh, More or less. I, I wore it to the, uh, the last home game. It was finally cool enough that I could wear it without dying inside because it's uh, we had a very hot September, and uh, yeah, I get dehydrated very easily, so I was <laughs> worried about falling over. But you weren't in the supporter section; uh, you were in uh, the the gray cloud <laughs> section where the the old uh, old uh, retirees of the dark clouds sit and so they call someone someone complained and called the security on you right yeah somebody called security because i was blocking their view which you know it is a big hat it's like wearing a big tall hat it's like wearing a stovepipe hat it's a jerk move but uh the people right behind me were cool there were people i knew um so the person who called security must have been a little while behind and the only thing i would have been blocking was the already blocked view of the side sideline so um yeah, I, I'm not sure. Anyway, they left. Uh, security arrived, and the other gray clouds told them to go away. <laughs> <laughs> that it was fine. Nobody cared. And, uh, and so I didn't hear about it until afterwards that uh, security had been set upon me. <laughs> My peripheral vision is not good in that thing, so uh, I wouldn't have known. Yeah, do you, I mean, do you, do you miss the 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 getting uh in your kind of game day costume uh, all these ki- like people would come up to you and get photos with you. It was like a it was a big yeah, that, thing. That lasted a really long time. The the kids getting their photo taken with me or bursting into tears when they, they saw me. Um, that lasted longer than I thought it would. I thought that would be kind of old news after a couple of years. But no, people uh, kept having kids, kept bringing them to the game. I kept terrifying them. So, yeah. Do you feel like you've lost um, something special? Uh, the whole beer garden experience was pretty special. Yeah. I think it, it, it goes uh, part and parcel with the access that we had to the, the field and the, uh, the license we were given to, uh, really shout some pretty mean things at people. Do you have a particularly favorite, uh, heckle that, that you, uh, that you did that you, that you're proud of? There were a lot of, uh, pretty great long running ones. Uh, Jeff Antonella stands like a teapot, um, if left to his own devices. And once we noticed that, 
you we would start commanding him to stand like a teapot. So of course he didn't do it because he knew we were watching him. And anytime you can get into a goalkeeper's head like that, you, you kind of know you're winning um, because he, he, he would deliberately wouldn't do it. Uh, I think the best was I warned some goalkeeper that he was too far out. He was going to get chipped. And within like a minute, he a beautiful chip was sent over his head. So the rest of the game, I got to... Ha ha ha! Told you so. Uh, got to write him about that. Uh, um, uh, yeah. So uh, I wanna, was, that, was that Christian Nick? I want to believe that that was a Christian. Nick <laughs> I think it might have been. Yes. By Christian Ramirez. Uh, yes. The, yeah, that sounds right. Yep. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was one of my all time favorite soccer watching moments. Uh, that was the five one or five two. Yeah, dr- yeah, yeah. Drubbing. Oh man, uh, that that game had some of the best goals I've ever seen in my life. Um, that was from probably 2015, right? Because the next year, Nick came yeah. to Minnesota. Yeah, the year yeah we right. were good. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. saw that game and decided to buy him. So, and the, yeah, uh, <laughs> always the the best the best approach from Minnesota United. Well, on the rest of the podcast, we are going to talk. Uh, we've got uh, U.S. soccer. We're going to have to talk. We are then going to talk Minnesota United. That we're going to have to talk. The the only part to skip forward and let's go to the Twitter questions. There's lots of Scottish <laughs> questions for you, David. Okay. Um, but right now, let's take a break. Let's listen to Big Quarters, uh, and then we'll come back and talk soccer. Welcome back to the 55-1 podcast. Before we get to the U.S. men's national team, uh, I've got like little bits. I don't have a good, bad, and weird, but I've got little bits. Uh, did either of you watch the NWSL final this weekend or catch any of it? Um, it was in Orlando, but it was Portland Thorns versus uh, North Carolina FC. I'm a, I am I like North Carolina FC. Uh, no, sorry, it was the Courage. They're associated with North Carolina FC. I like that whole group, so I was, I was kind of pulling for them. But this was like UGLY ugly, um, bad. Like, I mean, the, the hits and tackles that were not called were just gross. It was like a violent... Uh, assault uh, uh, I don't know it was not a very pretty game there was some like keystone cops defending for the only goal and like uh, one of the courage players kind of uh, did this spin shot and completely whiffed on the ball it was like a really every um, every final is a really bad advertisement for soccer but this was <laughs> like really bad oh I felt and I just shouldn't even bring it up but oh it was just and yeah Portland won Portland won yes on the a Lindsay Horan, uh, uh, Horan goal. Um, yep, it was uh, you, it was great for them. But do, do you know? Do you know why that they hold it in a neutral venue? I don't. I, I mean, I will admit I, until there's an NWSL team here, I, I just can't. I don't have the bandwidth to really know uh, about NWSL. So I, they like I, I saw some. It wasn't a good advertisement for the league, I thought, in part because the atmosphere didn't look very good. And no, I mean, imagine I mean, if that game was in Portland, there. right? I mean, yeah, right. It, if it was in exactly, I mean, it's probably for the same reason that an NASL used to do it. It it saves a lot of money, right? Because you can buy all these tickets in advance for league. You can set up meetings surrounding it, um, but. For the same reason, and the NASL then, and MLS abandoned it. You have to go. You have to have it at the top seed, right? And and if it were in Portland, they would have made a lot of that money back by selling tickets. You know, 
the league like would, would have been. They would have filled that stadium. Yeah. The team. Well, would have, yeah. uh, you know, there, there could have been some splitting of revenue sure. or something. I mean, you can you can do anything if you, you know you're setting the rules. Yeah. Uh, Portland would have would, would have packed that stadium. It would have been a sellout. I yep. think. So. Yes, I, I agree. I have a missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, so let's just skip right to the U.S. men's national team. Uh, I am. I, I will be honest, guys. I am legitimately depressed. Like, I don't want to talk about the game, uh, the U.S. loss. I don't even remember the score. It is a dark spot. Um, but like, I, I like. I'm. I think about it. And I think. I just. I literally feel sad. Uh, and so one of the ways I want to talk about this is to use your sadness as a, Scot- a Scottish man, David, to help us feel better, <laughs> but also to think about like, well, what have the responses been, right? Because some of them have been good. There's been a lot of absolute BS. Uh, the, the like personal targeting of Sunil Gulati is just stupid and juvenile, like emailing him and like finding his work number and stuff like that. It's just, but anyway, um, what I want to start with is what's the what have 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 you seen either of you any good responses from this any like uh, ways to think about this that makes can help us feel less sad? I thought um, I, was... I think that Grant Wall had a really good article about it. I'd recommend that everyone read what Grant Wall wrote about it. Basically, I think he had a piece that was both. It was just it was just well reasoned and it was thorough and it you know it didn't it wasn't porches and pitchforks but it said you know we we know we knew going in like we got eliminated because we lost but also because two other results went a way that it was unexpected it was like they were upsets yeah and upsets in the weirdest possible fashion Honduras scored a goal that hit the crossbar bounced off the back of Memo Ochoa's head and bounced into the goal. And Panama scored a goal that wasn't a goal. So, every you know, there is a sort of an extent to which, yeah, like the U.S. deserved it. Like, we didn't play well enough. We didn't take care of business. Sure. But it was also extraordinarily unlucky and really just bizarre and unusual that we were knocked out. And Grant Wall's piece, I think, got basically at the point that we knew what a lot of the problems are with U.S. soccer before this this elimination. Some of these problems, you know, these all problems all factor in. Were any of them solely to blame? No. You know, but can we do better? Yes. And we should use this opportunity as an excuse to really dedicate ourselves to doing a lot better. I like that piece. So so let me then then ask you, if we use um, English fans as the kind of... Uh, apotheosis of terrible fans, right? And uh, at least can get the two of you on board. Of just kind of the, <laughs> b- between the fans and like the Daily Mail BS, right? The the yeah. Like if England had had that series of, of events happen to them, how do you think that they would have responded? Because I, I suspect that there would be a lot more talking about the Panama ghost goal and all this other stuff. I, I mean, U.S. fans like largely looked at this and were like, "Yeah, we didn't deserve to go through," which, which is rather like adult of most people. Like, no one was bitching about, a, you know, the fact that like you know it was unfair. Even though I think everyone, all the American fans, just kind of said, "Yeah, it was fair. We were shit." Yeah, I think the the majority of the articles that I read, kind of right after the game, were definitely in that 
furious Daily Mail sports section um, that really reminded me of England fans losing the rag because something didn't go their way or they they didn't think that something that they should have... Uh, they would have blamed, blamed tattooed millionaires. That is what the, the Daily Mail oh, yeah. would have I mean, done. it was like reading from a script. All yeah. of these things, all of these grounds had been covered before and uh, and it was a while before you can find some reasoned takes on it, some some more sensible suggestions because almost everything was just... Salt the earth, burn everything down, throw everything in a big pyre, uh, you know, start everything over again. Um, and yeah, a lot of it was, yeah, the, the, t- the tattooed millionaires, the, um, you know, the, the from the very top, it's the very top to the very bottom has to go, all this stuff. It's uh, it, it really familiar. Yeah. Uh, but well, like, sorry, you, you can go out. No, I mean, I think, I think that maybe you're right about, let's say, what happened to England. Which it has happened. England has made, missed World Cups. Um, they, I don't know if they would have blamed the the phantom goal as much. I, I, my understanding about the Eng, the great English tradition of failure is that they they pick a scapegoat, like the media settles upon a scapegoat and just shreds them. I think it's been Beckham, it's been Rooney in the past. Yeah. Like very often, it's it's someone who's not white, which is sort of problematic. Uh, but <laughs> to, to put it they, lightly, yeah. I think that yeah, to put it lightly, um. Uh, like like Raheem Sterling gets gets ripped a lot for things that everyone else does. Anyway, I think that I think that if you want the like genuine English response, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think Omar Gonzalez would have like feared for his life. Like I think that's what the English response would have been, like just ruin that guy's career. Yeah, I, and and so maybe I'll, maybe I'll like put, like put this out there, which is like. This is a, a disaster and an embarrassment. So, so the I I fully subscribe in some part of my body to the burn this motherfucker to the <laughs> ground. I'm so angry. I want I I literally want to like pay people to follow every one of those players around with the shame bell, and um and from and so I I think that part of me does feel that way. Um, but there are people who have who have pointed out, look. This this morning we're recording on a Monday. This morning the U.S. Uh, seventeen under seventeens with uh, Georgie Way's son Timothy Way uh, and, and all these great young guys who have come through largely MLS academies um, who are not like uh, you know when they were twelve they were t- taken to Europe. They beat Paraguay five nothing. Well, Tim- Timothy Way was recently playing with the Red Bulls academy. Yeah. He did most of his development with the Red Bulls yeah. Academy. He's been with PSG for like a, less than a year. Yeah, most of, most of these guys have been that way. You know, Andrew Carlton, things like that. Yeah. Um, and they've so it, it. There are things wrong with youth soccer um, that should be fixed, but some of what is being done is attempting to fix that. Uh, so, so I do. I I don't know. I've I've literally. Uh, had uh, the a very similar, and I know this is embarrassing to say, a reaction to post-Trump election of just like despondency, and then being like, "I'm going to volunteer for every freaking campaign in the Midwest." I, hold on, honey, I got to leave you <laughs> and the kids so I can go door knock for the mayor of in uh, Bumble F uh, Iowa or something, <laughs> and and feeling like, "Oh my God, I have to like now coach every team in my neighborhood or something." I don't know. So I, I'm not I'm not dealing well with all of this. I've I haven't I've barely read anything. I haven't listened to any podcasts. I'm too sad. Yeah, as a, I mean, as an outsider, I think that. Sorry, go on. 
Go for it. Okay, I was just going to say, as an outsider uh, <laughs> looking in, um, there's a, a fairly small number of teams who always qualify for the World Cup. And the U.S. isn't in that group. And it's it would be crazy to think that they are in that group yet. They're not Germany. They're not Italy. They're, they're, they're the U.S. and they're doing well. And this is one setback. And I, don't, I, I, think, the, I think it's unjustified to, to throw everything out or to think that there's really big problems that we didn't somehow know about. I think most of these things are, are kind of well-established like, um, uh, and, and just trying to... People are trying to address them. Uh, I don't think... Wait a minute, though. Yeah. The United States, from 1990, someone checked me, tweeted me when you listen to this if I'm wrong. Since 1990, two countries have qualified for every World Cup. The United States is one of them. Germany is the other. This right. is something I saw. I believe that that's correct, although I'm, people are going to tweet at me, and apparently I will be wrong. Yeah. Or maybe Brazil, something and, like that. And my but the United is- States is <clears throat> in an elite category of countries that have qualified for every World Cup. Part of it is because our region is easier, you know, in quotes. Mm. So you're right in the sense that we are not in the elite. We're not in Germany, Brazil, Yeah, you're not. I mean, the US, the but US I do think it is a disaster that we don't qualify for the World Cup. That is genuinely a, I think a it's real a, catastrophe. I would call it a setback. But again, my, my view has been jaded. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot to it of all the consequences that you could see. You know, you, uh, for me, it's just a, like I, I selfishly view it as a personal disaster where like I my I became a soccer fan from the World Cup. I remember even before I was like a dedicated, you know, baptized soccer fan, I was still like I remember those World Cups as kids and um I have so many great memories of them, even the sad parts, uh and not having that and not having the the next capturing that next influx of people who watch the US and now they want to watch soccer in the US. Not being able to do that it does like does hurt. Uh but you know we will like France didn't qualify in uh in what was it 2000 uh wait which which one didn't they qualify for? I'm blanking on it. Was it 90 no they won in 98 anyway. There was the one right after that, yeah. right? I think it was the one before they made the final, yeah. So it must have been 2002, and then yeah. they made the final in 2006. So, uh, but even if, yeah, I mean, big big countries have missed out. Argentina almost missed out. Um, yeah, and the, the, I mean, the Netherlands. Are, the are, Dutch have missed out yeah. this year, and they've missed out in the past. Yeah, they They're missed, the entire, they missed the entire 80s after being amazing in the 70s, came back, and then, you know, missed yeah. out again, got to the semifinal, and then, yeah, it's... It, yeah, the, yeah, the, the yeah the list of of national teams that can uh, reasonably expect to get in every single time. I don't think includes the U.S. Um, I, I, I mean, they've been, this, they've been really good. Coming... You know, they've had. I think they've had quite a lot of yeah. luck, uh, especially in the early two thousands. I think everything kind of came together for them, um, and that's great. That's you know, you, you build off that, but. I think that just coming back to this sort of burn it down solutions kind of thing, like what people need to understand, I think, or what maybe there isn't enough thinking about is the fact that our success at the international level is on sort of a time lag because from, from like what our academies and our youth programs produce, because 
the players who every national team relies on to make a difference are mainly players from like 24 to 29 years old, let's say. I mean, that, that's what people consider right peak, you know, your, 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 your years of peak performance as a player. And the United States, and, and, and even before this Trinidad match, people were writing about the fact that we were really, really lacking top talent from 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 people my age, the year 1990 to 1994, and then 1996, we also don't have any uh, really promising 96 players. We're lacking uh, co-host. So po- I think that uh, podcast co-host that, I mean, talent those as well. Players, darling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so from that age group, I mean, I can't. <laughs> let's, let's move on. I have to go. I have to go with this guy who should be in NASL. <laughs> Dar- Darlington Nagby. Uh, one of the of one of the players we have DeAndre Yedlin another player and and this um, Bobby Wood is the third and I don't and get Nagby the, by the way I I like I still watch him and I'm like I don't what does he do here but I anyway. think that he's he's a sub right at best right on a good team on a good U.S. team he's a sub I think that Wood is is a sort of um, platoon player he's a, he's a starter sometimes and he's on the bench other times I think that Yedlin is the only out and out starter of that group. Um, and that's, you know, for many, many years, that, that's the group of people who we, that's the group, the age group that should be leading this team right now. And they're not, they're not, they're yeah. nowhere to be found. Um, a, a lot of players from those years just haven't panned out. And, and I think that, you know, the, the U.S. should have qualified regardless. But the fact that we were relying basically on a teenager and a bunch of guys who served us really well in the past but are now getting kind of old, like that's not a recipe for a success. Uh, and so we had a sort of a, a, a team that wasn't as good in this cycle. And I, I think that the, the burn it to the ground folks have to reconcile with the fact that the upcoming generations look like the most promising in the history of this country. Not just Pulisic, but McKenney, mm. Wright, um, the, there's another dude with Schalke whose name I can never pronounce, Horvath, um, Eric Palmer Brown, Cameron Carter Vickers, Tyler Adams, Justin Glad, all these guys with the U17 team. I mean, these are really good players. Joshua Perez, Jonathan Gonzalez, the guy who just got man of the match for, for Liga MX leading Monterey. I think that, you know, the, the best theory I had about this development drought, and I know I've been talking for a long time, but let me just finish on this, which is that um, th- this was sort of a period in which the quality of MLS was 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 growing when these players came of age. And there were a lot of new teams coming into the league who really wanted to get, you know, make a splash, get involved. At the same time, there wasn't the USL sort of reserve system and academies were just starting to crank up. And so as a result, you have these sort of players who didn't really get the full benefit of the academy, who never got a chance to hone their skills in USL if they weren't ready for the pro level, and who were sort of starved in an early age of pro experience. And I think that that's probably the most compelling justification I, uh, that I've seen for this sort of drop in talent that we've seen from this age group. And and all of those problems have been fixed, basically. So... Uh- you know, in the somewhat, future, somewhat. I, I, okay. I will say, I will say, there are still very big things that could be done, and and when people who are much smarter than me, who know youth soccer much better, 
talk about solutions to end pay to play and to actually get more than just the kids whose parents can pay $10,000 or $20,000 to put them on these teams. Uh, that that is going to to make a difference, but but those are different problems. That's what I mean. The problems that I think were really central to our failure in, with this generation have largely been been addressed. Sure, I want to want to just transition to to uh, this before, while we're on national uh, duty. Uh, Scotland also terrible, very bad. Uh, also did not make the World Cup. Not surprising. Uh, also probably have systemic problems, apparently genetic problems, according to, <laughs> yes, according right. to Gordon Strachan. Uh, get, uh, get ready for the Scottish eugenics program. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's great is like uh, Strachan, right, it was Strachan who said yep. this, right? Yeah, Strachan says there's, we have a genetic problems and we need to work on that. And when he said like maybe there's gene problems, like you could understand like, wow, there's, there's things as a people that we have to adjust to. But when he said work on it, it was like he literally <laughs> was talking about getting like the big, the big ass Scottish. Uh, well, you're the problem. You are a you are a big Scottish man and you came over here and you married an American woman. That's right. And yeah, uh, sorry to add to your problems, Garden. Uh, yeah. Yes, I don't know what he's got in mind. Uh, I, uh, I didn't see video of him doing it, but I really hope he waggled his eyebrows when mm. he said it. Uh, when he was suggesting this, but yeah, it does, it does sound like he's getting some strange eugenics program. And now, around. speaking of, uh, in the interim, you've got uh, notable racist Malky Mackay, uh, which is as I mean, your interim coach. is a thousand times more embarrassing than not making the World Cup. Not making the World Cup, that's fine. We're used to it, but having an overt homophobe, racist, misogynist like Malky Mackay is. Uh, it's just appalling. I, I can't understand. Even though he's just the interim coach, he shouldn't be anywhere near that job. He shouldn't be anywhere near the SFA in general. But uh, they've, they who spend a lot of time moaning about how bigotry spoils the Scottish game put a bigot in its most visible job. It's absolutely baffling. Yeah. Well, Valky Mackay coaching a team with diagnosed genetic problems, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Yeah, I, I hope that that uh, was the note left by Garden Strachan on the desk. Uh, is fix the genetics problem because you know that Malky Mackay is going to see that in a completely different way. I've uh, refrained from making thirty jokes now, but uh, that, <laughs> well, so I, then just just close us on this and give us some advice of uh, um, from uh, following uh, uh, and having the heritage of a, of a terrible team. <laughs> what, what can you tell us, U.S. fans? Um, first and foremost, the World Cup is a fantastic competition. They all are. All the World Cups are great competitions. Watching as a neutral is really, really fun. You will find your favorite players. You'll find the narratives you enjoy about the teams. You'll find your favorite teams. And then you get to celebrate when you know they do well or commiserate when they do poorly and England are going to go out in penalties and that's always fun <laughs> so there are things there are moments of joy to be had as a neutral I've I mean it's been a long time since actually I don't enjoy World Cups that Scotland make it to oh. um, I enjoy the other ones more um, because it's great it is a great competition it's it's really really fun um, there's nothing really quite like it. Uh, I, I enjoy it a, a great deal. And you how, get used to it. How do you, do, do you have a way of, of picking 
think uh, uh, which which teams you're gonna just is it just like I like these guys they're fun. Yeah, I can, um, I can go party with the uh, the Cote d'Ivoire people. And they'll, yeah, they'll party. Right. Yeah, watching watching a team in the group stages that really appeals to you in some way. I, I remember being very very fond of Denmark. They, uh, I think the '86 World Cup. They had a fantastic team. They were so much fun to watch. A couple of years later, it was Cameroon. Cameroon were really really fun to watch. And yeah, you you kind of find um, these, these teams that are, it's usually, so I go for the smaller teams cause I'm, yeah. you know, doomed to failure. Um, well, and but, latching onto like Germany is like, yeah, who cares? Like, yeah. It's like uh, discovering soccer and being <laughs> yeah. like, Oh, I'm going to be a man city. Fan. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, who's the best team? Barcelona. Buy me a shirt. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, so yeah, you want to go for, pick a small team, pick a, a team that does well. Um, I know everybody was excited about Iceland in the last couple of competitions, but Everybody's going to be excited about Iceland. Yeah, it's, you, again, one. yeah, it's one. just it's how to be a how to be a proper soccer. If Northern player. Ireland make it, I'm going to be over the moon. That's going to be uh, that's going to be really. Fun <laughs> that's that's because yeah, you are you are a, a Protestant uh, <laughs> Scott. So <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've got heritage from like throughout Europe, and so I can kind of usually be like, oh well, the Czechs or the Danish. I don't, uh, but then I've got like the English, French, German stuff, but I, I can't. Uh, cheer for England, even though like I did get into soccer in part by watching Aaron Lennon and Jermaine mm-hmm. Defoe and these guys, uh, but but it just yeah yeah them. that's right same that's and same right. with Germany like oh, I, I like at least watching them play, um, but I, so I just basically just choose which which uh, part of my lineage I'm I'm gonna associate <laughs> with, but um, I, I also have a so uh, adopted thing, teams like. Peru still, you know, Rodrigo is on the show a lot. Uh, they're still in the playoffs, so I will, if they ma- uh, make it, I will uh, cheer cheer for them with him. But um, let that's the other thing you get to uh, bring over grudges from previous World Cups. Yeah. So we have a, a long. St- <laughs> Everybody remembers getting beaten three nil by Peru in the 1978 World Cup, um, and we're still kind of angry about that because we thought we were going to walk it. Uh, so I'll be interested to see Peru, and I'll either end up really liking them or hoping they, you know, meet Rodrigo, and you're, you'll be uh, you'll be okay. On the all right. Peru team. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk uh, other other ways to uh, to to. Enjoy your sadness, uh, Minnesota United FC. Welcome back to the 55-1 podcast. I am Wes. I'm with David Smith. Alex Schieferdecker is on the phone. Uh, David, where can we find you on, on Twitter? Where, where's, where oh, I have to look up what my... Twitter addresses. I never tweet. I never tweet myself. Okay. Uh, it's I do David, once a day. Yeah, David Dash. Only in the shower. Smith. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I can tell it's David Dash Smith, but the S is a five because apparently there are an awful lot of David Smith out there. Okay, so. I'll put it in the post. Then Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I do want to say uh, before we get to Minnesota United stuff. Uh, last week uh, I put out a special podcast with Ben Grossman, who is a minority owner of uh, Minnesota United. I got a lot of really great notes from people um, saying that they really enjoyed this interview. Uh, And then I was like, uh, you know, people, what you can do is like tell other people that you, I mean, I I really, really love feedback like that because I, I enjoyed that pod, that interview. And it makes me feel good that like other people enjoy things as much as I do. Um, uh, But you know, like you can share this with other people. There's this weird thing. And I, so I, I would encourage people, if there's an article or a podcast, share it with the world. 
Put it on Facebook. Put it on whatever you do. Put it on, print out the, the transcript. Put it on your bulletin board at work. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. But uh, share, like, fax it to people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, people love that stuff. No, I, I do, do share that because I feel like, uh, I feel like there is a, there, there's a world that I can reach and that 551 can reach and that people, and that you have people who watch soccer and maybe don't. Uh, obsess over it in the same way but are still interested and they would like that i that's that's my like plea or plug or 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 whatever but um now let's talk about minnesota united uh zero i was gonna say three no la galaxy three minnesota united zero uh la galaxy are the worst team in the league they almost certainly probably will uh finish the worst team in the league and yet we went there and uh, looked absolutely garbage. Um, David, you did not watch this game. So we brought in a special guest who did not watch the ga- this That's game. That's right, yeah. But I, I want you to tell why this was such a great decision. Because I know the answer, but... I don't know the answer. Why, why was this... A... I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Do you feel good about your decision? Oh, I, no, I was incredibly smug watching the tweets uh, after the game. I, I try to watch every game, so it's pretty rare for me to miss one. I wasn't going to be able to watch this one and uh, started catching up with it. And it was just dismay, <laughs> just tweet after tweet of dismay. So, no, I felt uh, I felt very smug about it. I'm, I chose a good one to, to not watch. There's been um, a, a couple like this that, that um, like the, the Real Salt Lake away game, uh, I didn't get a chance to watch. And um, there was another one more recently that I was like, you know what? I'm going to live in a happy space. I'm just going to not. Yeah, oh, the Vancouver, that. the yeah. Vancouver game, right? Yep. Oh, Johan Venegas is starting. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in a happy place in my life, and it's great. Um, you don't feel the intense, like, uh, you know, just garbage that you feel. But uh, Alex, why don't you take us through this then? Uh, what, what can we say about this game? I think that this game was a game of two halves. In the first half, a Minnesota United. It looked like a training exercise for the LA Galaxy, like. Uh, we're going to put out 11 pylons and you guys are going to have to sort of move among them. And, and, um, and LA being bad, of course, they only scored twice. Uh, and then the second half, we made two subs and whoa, lo and behold, looked like a team that knew what they were doing. And we still got outscored 1-0 on the half. But it was like a decent half for Minnesota. I mean, we weren't great, but at least for the first 15 minutes of the half, it looked like a game in which two teams were were attempting to play soccer. Um, um, but, but but let so me. So I took heart from that, I guess. Let me then just say that the first half we also had three or four chances that should have gone in. Ethan Finley put two really good shots directly at literally the worst keeper in MLS, Clement Diop. Uh, um, Abu Dinladi had some chances. I mean, we should have scored a couple of goals and the two goals that LA galaxy scored were kind of flukes, right? I mean, uh, the, the, uh, Alessandrini <coughs> shot in the 11th minute, Bobby Shuttleworth should have saved, but I'm pretty sure did not fully extend because he thought it was going wide. Um, and then the, the, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos header from the top of the box was just freakish. Um, now those goals came about because we were terrible. If you go watch watch them again, the first one, 
the 11th minute, Kevin Molino, uh, he's, he's kind of behind the player. I'm forgetting who he fouls, but he's kind of tracking back slowly. And then rather than like, because he's behind him, he just basically pushes him over, gives up a foul. And then uh, whoever uh, does the quick restart, Gio, I think, just puts it out uh, wide to Alessandrini. And Molino's literally walking. Right, they did a quick restart. Molino starts walking. Uh, Birch is not ready. There's no midfielder who's also back there, and it was just—I mean, it was no effort. Uh, and then the same goes with the, there's no effort on Alessandrini to cross into Jonathan Dos Santos, who is alone at the top of the box. It, it was just so. I agree with you on the pylon thing, but I do think that the first half could have gone differently. It was a little bit freakish. It was very unusual. Yeah, I guess I just I've said it on I think I've said it on this podcast before, but my real pet peeve this year with Minnesota has been a lack of connection between the players. Um, and this is just sort of you, know, you you can just watch a team like a, a really good team, you know, Barcelona or Madrid or Bayern or, or Man City or Juve or whatever. They play very close to each other. Like the players are close to each other. They're, there's always a couple players close to the guy with the ball. There's a connection between the players. And that first half, I mean, so the guy with the ball and people were running away from him. I, I remember one moment in particular sticks out in my head and it was, I think, Ibsen yeah. moving out of midfield with the ball and all three sort of attacking players, both well, sorry, there were four attacking players, Finley, Molino, Ramirez, and Dunlady. All of them make a run, like, forward, as if he's going to put a ball over the top to all four of them at once. <laughs> there he was he no, would if he could, though. <laughs> who, nobody checked back. Yeah. There was no option. You know, and, and, and I think that one of the reasons why that second half just looked a lot better was because... Miguel Ibarra, for what you know, whatever his flaws and 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 however difficult it's been for him to get in a real sort of goal dangerous scoring mode, the one thing he does is he runs to the ball. When his team has the ball, he runs to the ball and he receives the ball. He creates combinations between players. Yeah. Now they, it hasn't been as advanced in the field field as I would like. Um, he hasn't been as dangerous, incisive, dribbling, etc., as I would like. It may be that he is not good enough to really be a difference maker at this level. That is fine. But what he does do is something that everyone else on the team needs to be doing, which is moving towards the ball, creating connections, instead of just looking for Ibsen to make sort of a hero ball pass and send someone in on goal and everyone gets really lucky. I mean, it just... It was so frustrating that that first half. The second half, I didn't mind. I knew we were already going to lose the game, so I was just much happier to see us playing like we knew what we were doing. Yeah, I mean, it is a, a team that has like all the all the chemistry of like a farmers only J date mix up. Um, I, I mean, it is just like it's a team where like no one has any. Uh, chemistry, right? You have uh, the best players on the team. Kevin Molino, Francisco Calvo, uh, and Ibsen, right? Probably the three most talented. Um, each of them uh, are are on on their day either 
not interested or way too amped up. Calvo and Ibsen really wanted to win last or on yeah on Sunday, and you could see that. And in doing that, then Ibsen usually is the one who just like decides I'm going to take the ball everywhere. I'm going to play every position, and while it's amazing to watch, he's super talented. Uh, and sometimes it works, you know, when he ran into the box and then crossed over to Finley, uh, he just took it on himself, uh, but it, it hinders everything else, right? It, it hurts the cohesion and the team as, as, um, you know, small market, you know, right. And, and we need players who want to be here and things like that. Uh, you need to have a, a team with chemistry. You need, uh, like Real Salt Lake is, right? So you get this Mike Petke guy who's terrible with tactics, but you know what he can do? He can get a team to work together. We don't have that. It, it is terrifying to watch. Uh, and you're right, Ibarra is someone who is maybe uh, no doesn't have right now the confidence or the creativity, but he is a ligament to all these bones out there, all these boners. So, yeah, I feel you. It was, I mean, I know I rag on Kevin Molino. It was the worst Kevin Molino game of the year. I mean, it really was. He deserved to be taken off at half. And I, I mean, that's, that's just crazy. And the other thing about Ibarra, I wonder, I, I think it would be interesting to play Ibarra as like a central midfielder and just see if he can do that kind of connection thing, you know, playing with players, playing one-twos with players, in the role of sort of that we have Ibsen in. Um, I think that would be interesting. I don't know if he would succeed at it, but that, you know, if, if he, he does seem to sort of not have that attacking mindset that he had when he was in the NASL with us. I'm not sure if that's a mentality thing or if that's just the level of play, but I would be happy to see him, try to take on a different role where all he's trying to do is be that connective tissue in the midfield. Yeah, I think he does that well. And I, I, I think he communicates. I mean, he's not a vocal guy at all, but I think he, he, he just reads other players a little bit better maybe than Ibsen clatters into other, our, our guys an awful lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he just doesn't shout mine or whatever it is, but there's been a lot of collisions where he's just not, he's, he's so gung ho about moving the ball around by himself that he's, he's not reading where other people are and they're not good at reading what he's doing. Um, and it it can be a it can be a real liability. Uh, what did it take to get Molino sent off? Because I've been wondering. All, yeah, 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 not sent yeah, off, yeah. But, uh, pulled off you know, by. Subbed. Right. I mean, I would say <clears throat> Molino, in some ways, on the attacking side was um, was just fine. You know, just mm. it wasn't. He was mediocre. You know, and everyone else was mediocre. But he was not showing any effort and particularly if you go back and watch the highlights the two goals we gave up or the first goal in particular I thought he was just he's just walking and 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 you're playing a 4-4-2 right you have a winger out there who has to do that job of a freaking winger even if he's coming inside um we have talked about it on this uh on this podcast a lot how um Molino is the favored golden child and and everyone else will get the ire and this time he was pulled off at the half. He and Colin Martin uh, and Colin Warner came in and was, I thought, had one of his best games, uh, uh, which is maybe not saying much, but I thought he was very decent. Um, uh, but yeah, Molino w- was bad and it was good to finally see Adrian Heath, um, you know, 
take it out on one of his on one of his golden boys. I think Ibsen and uh, and Calvo have at times needed to be taken back a notch, and they have not been. Um, yeah. So let me let me then uh, just just kind of say then uh, that the ninety third minute the goal comes from Ibsen and Calvo being back. Calvo does not track back um, with Alessandrini making this counter. It's basically just just Ibsen, and uh, and then they they win three nothing. Um, this was an LA team that was extremely bad. We should say they were. I was watching them and and it was. It was embarrassing to see how much LA could give up the ball and we couldn't do anything with it. And not scoring on this team was, uh, it was like basically playing a friendly against a, a, a USL team and not scoring. That's how it looked to me. It was just, they were, LA Galaxy are a, a bad, bad team. And I, I'm a, mad that we didn't make them pay for being bad. Just from a quality of soccer perspective, it was the worst game of the year. Mm hmm. Two bad teams. It's up there with that, that had Houston, anything to play for. That Houston home home draw still kills me. But um, I will also say that Co- uh, Kobe Jones and uh, Joe Joe Joe, what's his name? Uh, the the commentators who I had to listen to on MLS Live were the two worst commentators. <laughs> I mean, they were. It was they. It was literally like. I, I tweeted that they, it was like, are they the mothers of some of these players? At, at one point it was just like, oh yeah, and these guys are just, look at how slow Minnesota are. Oh, oh, look at, oh, Jonathan Dos Santos passed the ball. That was great. He passed the ball. Good. Oh, <laughs> how did he, get, how did they get a, a Minnesota accent? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it was, it was like, you would have thought that Barcelona was playing a like scrub, uh, you know, U twelve team the way that they were talking it just drove me crazy until at the end and I was like maybe we are a scrub U twelve team but <laughs> L A Galaxy are no Barcelona that was my my main point anything else to say about this game Alex nope uh, we have one more game it is against San Jose uh, if we give up a goal we will officially have taken over that top spot of worst def- defense in MLS history. We are currently tied with Shivas, goddamn USA. <laughs> not, not Wait, just... I thought the record is sixty-nine. Oh, who had sixty-nine? Uh, nice. someone. Yeah, nice. Um, twenty thirteen. Shivas USA had t- sixty-seven. So I thought that was a record. I'm sorry. I thought the Colorado Rapids at some time at sixty-nine. Okay. That's in my head. It, like the record is sixty-nine. So we have to give up three goals for the record we're still, outright. We're still Shivas USA. Pie. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, we could have, had we won this game and then won against San Jose, uh, both pretty plausible things, we would have finished a point, maybe, uh, possibly a point out of the playoffs, which is kind of crazy to think. If we lose this next game, we could finish second last in, in the West, which just shows you the razor-thin margins. But uh, it's hard to say, like, some days after, uh, some weeks after terrible games like this it's just like we're a terrible team we we are miserable uh and and adrian heath keeps on saying these players are not good enough we need a shake up right he said it again after this game uh and the problem is like okay well who's left who are you are you literally just gonna fire the whole team i mean at what point do we is there some responsibility on like yeah they're not showing effort yes those players deserve to have their asses handed them 
we have a team with no chemistry who we want to get rid of all of them? Or you're going to keep basically just Calvo? Yeah, I mean, I can see why he wouldn't, in a post-match interview, say, yeah, we're stuck with them. But we are stuck with them. We don't have... There's nobody waiting in the wings for that final game of the season to blow us all away. Um, unless Bernardo Añor's healed up, finally. Apparently, uh, someone tweeted me that uh, Añor's uh, brother is uh, a number 10 who plays for Malaga. Oh. Yeah, he's 1P. Get that guy over here. <laughs> and then immediately have him die on us or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, Bernie. Um, okay, uh, well then let's take a break. We'll come back and we've got Twitter questions. Welcome back to the 55-1 podcast. My name is Wes Berdine, and it is Twitter time. Uh, we've got David, we've got Alex, we've got lots of uh, Scottish-themed questions for you. This is why I bring in people and so we can get some good... Uh, no one asked... Um, I don't think there are any Scottish cuisine questions, which is... Uh, oh, you're missing like out. Like, Rodrigo was like, basically, everything was like Peru, <laughs> yeah, Peruvian right. food. And, and so, yeah. Um, so let's start with Andy Schletz. Uh, which players from the current squad do you think really want to stick around for 28 season? And I, I followed up to just ask him what he meant. He meant who are the players who actually want to be here next year, which <laughs> is kind of a crazy question, but also kind of a real question. Like do any of them, I, Miguel wants to be here, I think, but not if Adrian's going to piss on him every day, but yeah, he seems miserable. I mean, he's, I don't know. He's had a rough year. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too surprised if if he went somewhere or wanted to go. Somewhere Jerome Tisson wants to be here. That guy is living the best life he can. I, I think he's in with the woodwork. He's uh, yeah. He's he's kind of a fixture. He's uh, Tisson and um, Coleman. I think are the only two that I could think about. Those guys want to be here. Those guys <laughs> don't want to leave. Um, but the NASL guys would probably stick around. They've got a good good thing going on here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not sure about any of the rest. I think Venegas checked out halfway through the season. I think pretty early on he was he was done. Um, oh, I, I don't know why we would want to keep him What's around. funny is he did come in, uh, Johan did come in in the L.A. game and actually had two pretty good moments in there. By accident? He actually, like, I mean, it was like, huh? it was, yeah, he almost, he almost created a goal. Um, I mean... He was kind of all right, and it was just like, but that's the that's the tease of of Johan. You're like, oh maybe, yeah, yeah. oh maybe, the, like that 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 assist he gave to uh, Christian earlier in the season. Like, oh it, yes, this is what we were waiting for, and then he'll just just put a load of turd in his pants while he runs around. Yeah, I'm glad he didn't <laughs> score. That would have been, oh. yeah. I'm, I think <laughs> I think that Johan Venegas. I mean, I was really hoping that he was going to just light it up in that game because I think I, I was thinking. This is the Omar Daly of like MLS Minnesota oh, yeah. United. Remember Omar Daly? Yes. Like not good for an entire season. Thirty-four year old final Jamaican game of the guy. year. Yeah. Final game of the year. Away in Tampa Bay, scores a hat trick. So yeah. what do we do? Sign him for the next year. Yeah. Is he good next year? No. No. <laughs> Just like yeah, a guy who's like his main thing was he was really fast, and he's thirty-four year years old, and um. You know what 34 years old people are not? 
It's fast. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, you're right. He he Just is basically the incredible game at the end of the year. Like that. Yeah. That's what I'm expecting from Johan. Yeah. Uh, United Loons asks: When we received Mark Mark Birch, I was under the impression that he had a good left foot, and I haven't been impressed. Have you? What do you think about Mark Birch? Fine. Okay. Yeah, the journeyman. Uh, I remember. I remember seeing a a clip where he had some cannon of a shot and uh, thinking, oh, that, w- that would be great. And yeah, we haven't seen any of that. He's, he's fine, yeah. In this game, he could not cross into the box. No. It was like a force field. And it was just <laughs> like, it was like, it would try to go in and then it would bounce midair away. It was un... His best, his best cross of, the, of this season was his assist against us when he still played for Colorado. <laughs> that was his best delivery of the year. Uh, Jim Oliver asks uh, if U.S. soccer is awful because it exists only to generate TV revenue that doesn't get used to improve the national team. What makes the Scottish FA awful, and is that better? <laughs> everything Mark about the yeah, yeah. Well, there's the tip of the iceberg. Um, everything about the Scottish FA is awful. Uh, it's a constant decline. Uh, we've, uh, I mean, the 1980s, we used to have teams win European Cups. Um, Aberdeen uh, won the Cup Winners' Cup and then the Super Cup in 83. And then a couple of years later, Dundee United, well, Dundee United had a couple of good runs for Cups. There, we're nowhere near that now. And it's been a, a constant and steady decline. Um, whereas, I think you could say that the USSF, it's since that time, it's got better and better and better. And sure, you've got this, this setback or disaster, depending on how you choose to view it. But uh, yeah, uh, one is definitely <laughs> slightly competent and at least making things happen. And another one is just driving the game into the ground. And you're, we, we have not said this yet, but you're a Rangers fan. I am, yeah. Uh, was, was being dropped down to the fourth division a disaster? Did you feel that viscerally and like, was there an intense sadness throughout your life? Um, there was at first when it came up as a possibility, like, Oh God, we might go all the way down. And then when it was decided, we're like, yeah, fine. Let's see how your gates are. And I mean, the, the gates for most teams dropped. It wasn't, it wasn't a financial disaster for the entire league, but it was, it was a definite, uh, impact felt. Yeah. Uh, Rodrigo, uh, Sanchez Chavaria asks, will the U S follow the German model after, uh, after their kind of failure? When did they fail? Because uh, right. The, this is what Das Reboot is, is about. Uh, yeah. Raphael Honigstein's, yeah. uh, book i have obviously not read it so they yeah. and invest in a 10-year plan or will they go uh to the uh bruce arena route and sunil galati of we don't need to uh change based on a couple of inches i mean we already hired one of the figures in das reboot and fired him a few weeks you know, like a year ago so <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know i i think that every country is different and our problems are probably different i, mean, I haven't read the book our problems are probably different than they, than, than Germany's were. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that to think that there is just one sort of path to follow one, one route that just countries can take to get back to success is not accurate. I think that, I, I mean, I've, I've said already that the United States future is already bright. We don't need to do anything to touch that. We can, we should focus on improving because there's still much more that we can improve on. But we, you know, 
I don't know. Das Reboot Something is crazy. a great name to a book, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it genius. Mark Blade asks, uh, does MLS need to slow down expansion pace in the light of U.S. men's national team failure? Uh, U.S. soccer popularity won't get a World Cup bump. You know, he's, he's saying, uh, were we kind of expanding this, this whole thing based predicated on the idea that it's going to keep on growing at the same clip in terms of fandom and will it... Do you think it will have any effect on uh, the the rate of soccer fandom growing in the U.S.? Does that and does that relate to MLS's growth? It'll hurt the rate of growth of the game, but it doesn't have anything to do with MLS's growth. Yeah, I, could, I mean, I could see that the bump that you get from World Cups isn't necessarily going to be as big. I, I still think some people will be drawn into it, um, but yeah, I think MLS has. I would say it probably has enough. Um, momentum to keep doing what it's doing. Uh, Grave Smith, Greg Smith, uh, asks, would you rather have food poisoning for a month straight or Malky Mackay manage Scotland? You did get a question about Scottish cuisine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would rather Malky Mackay got food poisoning for a very long time. But yeah, I would take food poisoning for a month. I, I need to lose the weight. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I would I would do that to get him out of there. Yep. Dr. Ben McKenzie, Mr. Ben McKenzie, excuse me, says, if I'm Scotch-American, am I screwed, totally screwed, or beyond, absolutely beyond all hope? Um, I would say you were blessed. Oh. Uh, Rambling Robert <laughs> says, which single malt goes best with feeling inadequate to your southern neighbor as they go down, go to the World Cup and you don't? Oh, you must be talking about uh, Northern Ireland. Uh, and they haven't quite cl- clinched the bar- uh, birth yet. Um, I would say Bushmills, 21-year-old. Single malt. Very nice. Uh, uh, Tim, uh, super rookie, asks, what hit point of... What is the hit point... <laughs> hit points of the Nessie suit, the Loch Ness monster suit you used to wear when hanging out at Dungeon Master Jim Oliver's house? <laughs> this is the most yeah. incestuously dark clouds question. Uh, but Jim Oliver has been on this podcast recently, former uh, president of... Uh, Dark Clouds, and uh, both of you are Dungeons and Dragons nerds. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. what's the hit point? I, it's great that uh, Tim is uh, the guy who got me into heckling is now heckling me from Florida. Yeah. Over Twitter, um, it's D twelve, Tim, uh, because I like to keep it wild. But I would never wear the Nessie costume at Jim's house because um, every time we watch football over at Jim's house, uh, his dog thinks somebody's being murdered. And gets really, really nervous. And I think showing up in a blue Nessie costume would send her over the edge. So uh, I would not do that. Uh, let's finish on this. Steve Lilly asks, East Sterling or Albion Rovers? Uh, Cope Bridge or Falkirk? Um, they're both dumps. Uh, East Sterling. Are you, are you, Falkirk's second team. Are you Glasgow born? No, I was born just north of Glasgow. Okay, what's the, where? Hounsborough. Hounsborough? Helensborough. Helensborough. Yeah. Uh, do they have a, a local small team or? Uh, actually, Rangers was the uh, is the the footballing wing of the local rowing team. Oh, from, really? From Hillsborough, yes. The, there was a rowing team, and then four teenagers decided to form a football club, and uh, did. And that was Rangers. That's what, yeah. Teenage, so teenagers. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your um, genetic sadness with us. <laughs> uh, it's made me feel better. Alex, thank you in, in Philadelphia, uh, as always. Uh, thank you, listeners. And um, 
Uh, I don't know. Next week is a crazy week with the last game. I may just, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do for the podcast. It may not come out Monday because I'll be in coming back to Texas. So, uh, you know, just deal with your lives and look, look for a podcast at some point. Thanks. Get over it. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs>